0: Hi, I'm Babs Weber, and welcome to Paused at Home, an Alberta Social Innovation Connect podcast. The pandemic and economic downturn this spring have forced many changemakers to pause or to pivot. As we head into the summer, although our province is experimenting with opening some aspects of our lives, we still have a lot to adapt. In light of our work structures changing on a daily basis and the pause we're in at home, We've decided to touch base with changemakers across Alberta to hear about the new questions and reflections on their minds during this period of systems change. Some episodes will pair together multiple voices chatting about one question. Others will have a solo perspective. If the question sparks new thoughts for you, please share in the comments on your favourite listening platform and let us know what you think! Ailee Aurora is an artist based in Calgary who has a strong interest in the correlation between art and mental health. She has been participating in ABSI's Community Catalyst Program, which connects a cohort of emerging changemakers from across Alberta with an intent to help foster innovative systems change for their communities. How might we engage with art and creativity now as a method of ensuring we keep our spirits up? What does it mean to be an artist in 2020 who is looking to both focus on mental health and change the platforms and media in which they present their work. Thank you so much, Eile, for being a guest on the show today, being on pause,
1: sitting down with me and talking about the big questions that are on your mind throughout this period of system change. Um, I also just want to note that Eile is our theme music creator for this season, and we're very fortunate to be featuring some of her heart music so to get the ball rolling, if you could introduce yourself along with
2: what you do. Awesome. Thank you, Elise. So I'm Eile Aurora, and I'm a professional harpist, musician, and um, singer-songwriter in Calgary. I also love facilitation, and I bring in elements of systemic constellation and sound work into my workshops and events and, and coaching. One thing that um, I'm most passionate about, though, is igniting creative confidence in the people that I work with, and that's been a really exciting journey for me.
1: Amazing. Well, we're very happy to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. So, what is this big question that you're sitting with right now?
2: Yes. So, since uh, the beginning of the Community Catalyst program, um, things have changed a huge amount, and my project was based on bringing people together to create a participatory event, in-person event uh, to address mental health with the magic of art and creativity at the community I'm a part of in Calgary, Space King Edward, which is an amazing arts innovation hub at the center of Calgary. So I really looked at this uh, shift in the world to you know basically events being banned for the first time in my life the opportunity that was being presented. And my, my big question is, how can we create meaningful connection online? If online is the only thing someone has right now, and maybe they're sick with the virus, maybe they don't have roommates, maybe they're not getting the connection that they want and need from the people in their environment. What does that look like? And I wanna, I wanna bring in um, an experience that I had recently. And I met a friend a couple months ago and she's reached out to me many times living alone at this time, living alone normally. And a couple of days ago, she reached out in a, in a crisis. So she was going through an, a crisis of whether, basically whether I should bring her to the hospital or, or, or I should just be with her. And I took the time to to really sit and, and ask her what, what was going on for her. And there's just deep feeling of disconnection when, when she was living alone. But also during this time of COVID, I was really grateful to be connected with her family and we got her on a plane to get home. So, you know, they, I think for many people who have never experienced any kind of mental um, difficulties. It's hard to imagine, you know, just being by yourself, would make you not want to eat, not want to sleep, you know, and, and possibly even want to take your own life. But this is happening everywhere. And so I'm even more motivated um, to find ways of helping people connect with each other online. And this, you know, one of my mentors, Joanne Hari, says is the most important thing in addressing mental health is finding meaningful connections with each other. So that's that's my big question, and um, I having this very real experience recently of of isolation, um, or or seeing someone in isolation has has impacted my perspective of and the urgency of needing to create these kind of spaces um, as much as we can.
1: That definitely is a very big question. It holds lots of lots of different pieces within it too, for sure. What is your take on how we can create these meaningful connections online without having, since we don't have the ability to connect as strongly in person as we have in the past?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So doing work online has been something I've resisted for a long time because I love in-person events and you know, a few things that I notice about them is when you're in person with people, you can physically touch them. You can connect with other people within the room. There's a container that, you know, supports safety. And then on a facilitation perspective, I can tune into the body language within the room and I can sense where people are. And this is something that's come up over and over again with facilitators is when you see people online in these little boxes, How do you know how they really are? Are they jiving with with what you're doing? Are they not jiving with what you're doing? So that's something I noticed, and um, when I did this workshop recently, his name is Jan Keck, and he's from Germany, but he lives in Toronto, and he did an incredible uh, workshop that I highly recommend. He's continuing to do workshops, and he's even creating a mastermind group right now Um, with different facilitators around the world on how do we create these meaningful connections online. One of his main points was not recreating, but reinventing and reimagining your experience online. Often when we're online, you know, our bodies are tricked into really believing that we're together, but we're not. So how can we, we, engage people in meaningful conversation, meaningful connection. So I just wanted to go through, he has seven points that he offered in his, in his workshop. I would go through them in a way that um, I, I hope you can take some, even just one little nugget away with you. So the first is psychological safety. And the key points that he talked about this was Make sure you have a breakout room with your participants within the the first 10 minutes of the gathering. You know, that conversation will help people sense that there's there's connection and that they're not alone in the room. And they have a chance to share their voice. This is something I do in my in-person events as well, but it's even more important online. So another part of psychological safety is inviting people into your event with music. So when they, when they come into the Zoom room, have music playing, um, it's even more important for the facilitator to have a high energy and to be smiling. And another key is looking into the camera for the facilitator to be looking directly into the camera on the screen, not the screen and, and the participants because it makes a huge difference to them in in sensing that you're present for them. So the second point is developing a sense of place. There's one really fun thing that we did was touch something red. So because everyone's in their own homes, we, we have an awareness of space that we never get in person. And so he would say, touch something red. And and you could see everyone on the screen, like 60 people all holding something really crazily uniquely red. And you can, as a facilitator, spotlight that person. Another option is, you know, have people bring their pet into the picture and, you know, get to know about them that way. Point number three, stretch, move, dance and play. So he recommends that after only an hour and a half, an hour and a half maximum until the first stretch break. And that includes this really fun activity that he did called Let's Rock and Roll. And so he had everyone act like the different elements of the band or the different characters in the band. And he had everyone turn off their videos, find a hat or glasses. And then when the music came on, the drummers started. And they all turned their videos on and pretended to drum. And then the guitar, and they turned their videos on. And it was like this really fun experiment of seeing who was going to be what. And, and he invited us to stand up and do it. So we were moving. Another cool thing was high five, So he had everyone give each other a high five by putting their hands on either side of the screen. So when you're looking at a screen with like 40 people or 60 people, you can see that you're trying to, you're actually pretending to touch each other's hands on different parts of the screen, which was really fun. So the fourth thing is facilitating deep conversations. He has uh, some really cool cards that he's created that have prompts on them, but making sure the breakout rooms have prompts on what's, you know, what would be meaningful for people. So he just gave a, a recommendation on authentic relating in that section as well. Number five, the gift of presence. So as I mentioned at the beginning, making eye contact on Zoom is really hard to do. It um, is something that Yan recommends though as a form of deeper connection. So as a host, you for sure should be as much as possible looking into the camera. But as participants, um, this is a really fun thing to do if people are open to it, is having some people volunteer here to look directly into the camera and spotlighting them in zoom to to really get that experience of connection that you would have in person of of direct eye contact and when he did this in the group people felt a deep sense of connection um and there was emotion that even came up so that was beautiful a key thing that i've been using for myself just in small conversations and in groups that I'm participating in, um, not necessarily ones I'm I'm hosting, because I like to know where I'm am in the camera view when I'm hosting, is hiding your self-view. So this is something so strange about online is that you can often see yourself while you're talking to another person. Unless you were talking to someone in a in a room with mirrors, You'd be like, you know, the person would be like, "Why are you looking at yourself all the time? Like, where are you?" So hiding your selfie, which is just an option on Zoom, you can go up to your your or your your um, view, and right next to mute, there's three little dots, and it says stop video, mute audio, pin video, and then it says hide selfie at the very end. And when you do that, you don't see yourself, and and. I find that it frees me just to be more myself and less conscious of being a performer or performing and making sure I look good. And, and it creates more authenticity and presence in the conversations that I have.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. I'm going to do that now because quite often I'll put mine on, on gallery view so that I can see everybody because I like to see everybody's in the call, especially when there's like, 40 people or so, um, when it's just on speaker view, then you can't see everyone. But I do find that I'll end up looking at my square quite often to see, like, oh, what do I look like? What do people see, like, when they're looking at me? So that's a great yeah. tip to have to, and reminder to, like, oh, I can just shut off my video and then I'm not concerned about
2: it. Absolutely. I mean, so. it it really it changes it, you know? And there was like this, this workshop, um, with Yan. there was 60 people and I asked a couple of questions and after I had hidden my, my, um, view, I, I felt much less aware of like, you know, like other people, you know, watching me or what I was looking at. Cause it's so, it's so weird and maybe I'm just a little more concerned to this than others, but I look at myself, you know, when I can see myself, I, I, I just, I get distracted and I look at myself.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's, <laughs> it's like, like a natural human tendency. Every time <laughs> we walk past a mirror, like you go look, you know, just yeah. I don't know How why do I it's creepy. It's somebody Especially probably knows the psychology behind it. We should find that out of the psychology yeah. behind it of why we as humans when we see a picture or like a picture meaning like via the screen or a mirror or something, why do we automatically look at it?
2: Yeah, I think that would be a really good thing to look. Maybe that's the thing that comes from this conversation is is there someone out there that has the psychology around hiding yourself you and how important that is with online connection? Mm-hmm. There we go.
1: Yeah. Perfect. To not be obsessed with looking at how we look. I wonder. If it, <laughs> my, my hypothesis is that it probably comes from um, like our concern of, yeah, like self image. How are we perceived by <laughs> others? And a lot of that is looks not just personality too like
2: well it's also a sense of belonging belonging is the key in any group setting is do I belong do I look like other people you know I was I had like a sketty top on when I was on the call and I'm like do I am I showing too much skin like I should put a shirt on no one else is showing that much skin you know there was a kind of a awareness of of how I was fitting within the group and um I think that's that's just a, such a key element for human beings is how do i do I belong and and how can I make sure that I belong and <laughs> so yeah, really, really fun. number six, amplify emotions with music, so music at the beginning of the of the class make creating space for people to feel more welcome often. Online silence means that there's something wrong or there's no connection. So music really can hold a space even in a bigger capacity than in person. One thing that he does at the beginning of a workshop is he, for the first 10 minutes before the workshop starts, he has people that arrive early guess the soundtracks. So he starts playing different soundtracks and people can, can start guessing them. Also, a really key thing to do is to make sure you're sharing your audio from your computer and you're not just playing music into the speaker of your computer. So this is an option on Zoom and it's really important for audio quality. Um, For myself as a musician, the music meditations I've been doing, I bought an almost $300 machine called Interface Scarlet so that that goes through my mixer and into the computer and i use it as the option for my audio input in zoom and so that's really vital in people receiving a high quality experience with sound the seventh and the last thing that he offered was co-creating the experience um really making sure people have a chance to contribute and um offer information and and offer their opinions back um it's not all just informational and educational and some of the other ideas that he had was using something called Jamboard and Jamboard is something that you basically it's through Google Drive and you send everyone a link in the chat and everyone can click it and go onto this page and and puts literally like they're putting sticky notes or pictures on a big board and we all did this together and um, kind of recreates that experience of togetherness. The number eight of Yen's presentation was open. He didn't know what number eight was. So this was a part of him inviting us to co-create the experience. And my number eight that I came up with is really helping ignite creative confidence in people as this is something that's really important to me. And so this could be many different things, but you know, inviting people to bring their their creative ideas into the space. At the beginning, and um, work with those ideas. So even having a framework of an event that is open, it is about the participants coming. You know, you could have an introduction, some sounding, some uh, short meditation, and then it, then a check in, or or if you have a lot of people, it could be just through the chat that you have that check in, and then who whoever feels moved, they could do some some dialogue or some. Inquiry in the larger group with the support of the larger group, and this builds on a format called um, World Cafe or Pro Action Cafe, where a couple of people are really being highlighted as people to to support by the larger group. And so I really love gatherings like that, and I think that kind of an experience, um, bringing your ideas to the event, having an event where where I'm not just attending and receiving, but I'm coming with my ideas to co-create something and and really get a lot um, from, from the people in the room. So that, that would be my number eight if I had um, a number eight to add to his list. And I, I just wanna say overall, thank you, Elise and Absi for the amazing gift of being a part of Community Catalyst program. And I look forward to continuing to ask this deep question of how do we create meaningful conversations and connection online throughout the program? and. At the same time, nothing can replace in-person connection or a <laughs> hug. So I very much hope to be returning to a place of inviting, gathering people together in person again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In the meantime, online is, um, is and has, online environments have a huge potential for what we can do together. Um, on an individual basis, with people just in our local community, mm-hmm. but it opens up this huge um, web of connection globally that would never be possible otherwise.
1: Certainly, yeah. And I just want to say thank you again for being part of this, for sharing your personal experience around um, working with others through this sense through through loneliness right now, especially, um, and sharing the knowledge that you gained from Yan and how you've been implementing that as well in in your work and. I, I just, as you were talking about how Jan challenged you to think of an eighth, um, an eighth, what would you call that? Question. Prompt question, I guess, question. Yeah, maybe we want to challenge listeners to what would be your eighth question if you were to create mm. one. Maybe they can add it in the comments if you feel like it.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. But yes, thank you again so much. And um, this is an enlightening conversation and a really good question to think about is, that i think a lot of folks are thinking about right now is how do we keep creating connection because it does feel different when we're on zoom and how do we create a strong connection digitally as we could physically
2: mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. it's not about recreating it's about reinventing and reimagining mm-hmm. the experience which is like right nothing can really replace in person conversations mm-hmm. but i mean look at this i have these little little smileys i made them and i put them right next to my camera yeah so that it reminds me to look up into the camera
1: i love that you have put smileys by your camera i might take a page out of your book and do the same to remind myself to look there well thank you so much again for this conversation it was just wonderful and i hope you have a great rest of your day
2: take care elise
1: you too we'll chat
2: with you soon yeah thank you bye (laughs) okay bye
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pause. In the spirit of reconciliation, we'd like to feature land acknowledgments recorded by students of the Virtual School Project, a cohort of folks building a new education model that incorporates Indigenous ways of knowing and creates new pathways to meet the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action. I am indebted to the land. It is from this land that I am nurtured and fed and sheltered.
1: I am a Bengali immigrant and visitor to Treaty 6 territory, the traditional territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, Nakota Sioux, and Métis. It is in this land that still sometimes feels foreign to me that my homeland story is told out of the mouths of colonialism. The only countries we learn, the only cultures we appreciate in secondary school are those most important to a colonial narrative. That is why I feel a connection to these treaty lands, the land of those that fight a strong fight to maintain their narrative and culture.
0: And a part of all our narratives is in this land. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing it with a friend and rating us on your favorite listening platform. We'd also love to feature your big question on a future episode. Find us at abcconnectca slash get involved for more information on how to be a guest. We'd like to thank our funding partner, the Suncor Energy Foundation, producer and editor Elise Martinowski of ABC Connect, series producer Naomi Mahaffey, and theme music creator Ailey Aurora. I'm Babs Weber. Thank you so much for listening.